podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So in a week where Kun fires and Mara's pounces, the majority of us non-owners are treading water and chiding our aversion to risk as the template serves up a large dollop of mare, especially thanks to the swans breaking Liverpool arms. As always, we have lots to talk about on this, our 25th pod. Wow. And uh, by we, I, of course, me, myself and Nick, who joins me today. How's things, mate? Not bad, thank you, Tom. Yeah, we scored identically this week, didn't we? So um, feeling about the same as you are. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but just as usual to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogottheassist.com. And a reminder to follow us, subscribe to the pod and tell your friends if you like what you hear. Yep, cheers, Nick. So today's pop will cover a few topics in depth, uh, which are risk, luck, uh, planning purchases we thought could be quite interesting. And of course, we've got to talk about mid-price midfielders uh, with Arnautovic particularly uh, being ruled out really recently. This will be followed by our regular features and then your questions, of course. And thanks for the questions, guys, as with every week. So uh, go on then, Tom, how was your game week? Well, I mean, Nick, it, it was OK. And actually, to be honest, I'm a bit relieved. I got 51. It was a small red. Um, I've gone down from 257k, I think it is to 278k so 20k drop i think kind of the story for most people was that uh kane scored one didn't own conaguero didn't own mares you know i had a clean sheet from de gea from alonso assist from sterling and Arnautovic as well but apart from that it was fairly underwhelming to be honest uh, i was quite pleased because on friday i had it on salah as you know and um, i saw that he'd been uh, yellow flagged momentarily at least by fpl like it was gone by the time i checked it again but that was enough to make me bottle it even though i've been saying all week yeah let's put it on salah um, so I put it on Kane, which was uh, fortuitous in the end. You know, I, I didn't think that the one nil first Swansea was ever going to happen. Really, I was feeling quite bad about it on Sunday, but come the end of the game on Monday, I was uh, relieved, obviously. And you know, it, it was just a little bit of an underwhelming game week overall, Nick. I um, I said to you, didn't I, that I had so few differentials and my team felt so template that by kind of the time Wilson stopped playing in the three pm fixtures, that was basically my key differential gone. And it, it was a bit kind of just slow waiting it through, just because I was hoping that you know from Firmino would do something to see me to get my little green arrow. Wasn't quite to be, could have been worse. But yeah, I want to make some changes because it's not really entertaining having your players owned by everybody else. Yeah, makes sense. I don't think it's one of those game weeks that we're going to talk about for years to come, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, we both scored 51. Uh, it was one point above the average, but um, we both got red arrows. I've dropped down to about 7,700. So it's only about a uh, 2,000 uh, rank drop. But still, yeah, you know, wanted to see a successive green arrow again. So, yeah, obviously a bit disappointed. I guess I yeah experienced the uh, depression of uh, Liverpool not succeeding. And also um, Ericsson, he was ruled out. Obviously, Pock didn't tell us as usual. He was ruled out with illness. So um, I had like Zanka come off the bench for a point. Uh, resulting in a five-man defence, which was a bit of a joke. Only Phil Jones, I guess, was the saving grace for nine points and, and Kane captain. But without um, Sergio Aguero, who obviously got a hat-trick, it, yeah, it was, it was not great. And uh, I think Sergio Aguero is basically the difference between people having a good week and not a good week. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of it is the fact that some of our players didn't quite fire. I think that luck is beginning to show up a little bit as a, as a factor between good weeks and bad weeks. I, I'm particularly noticing this this week with uh, two of my recent transfers, Otto Mendy and Wilson, who are disappointing me. And that's kind of our first theme today. It's about kind of luck in FPL. And uh, just for my own amusement slash sadness, I looked through four of my most recent transfers, Nick. And 
yeah, it's it's depressing to say the least. So Otamendi, as you know, um, he he kind of uh, scored the goals and bagged quite a few points for you earlier in the season, didn't he? Um, but he had seven, seven, and eight uh, before I bought him, and he's had two minus one and two since. Wilson had scored in two consecutive games, got two this week. Lingard went on a run where he uh, produced in four out of five matches. Since he's joined, he's done not very much, missed a lot of chances, of course. And of course, the big one's Hazard. Um, he'd scored 18, 8, 1, and 15 before I brought him, and 2, 3, 6, 3, and 3 the weeks after. And uh, what do you make of luck, Nick, in FPL, and uh, how you think it can have an impact on your performance? I mean, luck is always a factor, isn't it? You, you can't predict everything that's going to happen. You can only make um, sound judgments based on statistics and what you hear in the press and the news. For instance, um, I was quite unlucky, I guess, this game week with Ericsson. He was on forms, but of course he's, he got ill and no one knew about it. I, I saw in the in the preamble um, for the pod that you said that I was um, getting a lot more luck than you this season. I'm not sure about that. I know I've had a few moments like with uh, Clavin and this random goal <laughs> in the yeah. last minute, which has uh, done me well a few times, but I've also had a bit of Bit of bad luck as well. Uh, had a couple of uh, captains miss a penalty. That's nothing you can predict about that. That's just really unlucky. I also had a goalkeeper get injured in the warm up and uh, his replacement getting a huge um, 11 point clean sheet. And that's the replacement that I sold. So, um, you know, these, these things do happen. Um, last year was a horrendous one for luck. Um, the McCauley incident, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, a very memorable moment. Justice for Brunt. We both suffered from and, uh, you know, but obviously I've had many um, lucky moments as well. With, like my defenders seem to have scored. I benefited from Otamendi when he was going through his good patch. Um, I did want to bring him in again, actually, when you were thinking about bringing him in. And obviously he's, he's just got zeros and ones and twos since you brought him in, which is just very unlucky for you. So, uh, you know, it is a factor. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if Aguero had been a smidgen of an inch shorter, then that wouldn't have been the first goal. And who knows, things would have been different. I mean, uh, psychologically, luck is really interesting. We spoke about it prior to the season, how it can be a factor. Uh, we took our favourite troll, Whedon Hazard, last year um, when he was, uh, again, returning big. And people like Mark Southerns, who and we're not blaming it, made complete sense, were saying to sell Sanchez for him. And suddenly it all dried up, didn't it? Luck is really tough to quantify and measure. Um, but loads of psychological studies have shown that there's a correlation between luck and extroversion in character, which tends to mean things like risk-taking and openness to change as facts in creating luck. But risk can also be in FPL since taking hits, and you know, this year I haven't done particularly well in that. But luck is always a factor in FPL. Remember uh, Dimitri, I think, who won uh, in his first season through having Vardy and Mares before anyone else did. His first ever season in FPL, he's been off the map ever since. And FPL connected an interview with a guy who finished 14th who cited luck as a key factor. But, I mean, looking at the, the risk side of things, Nick, you've been having a little look, haven't you, at risk and to link to our second theme today if it sounds like risk should uh, help improve your luck it's not been quite working out that way for for people like me has it Nick? I think so I, I mean I did some analysis actually because you've always been one of those people that take a lot more hits um, than me I've always um, favoured a, a more cautious approach and I, I did take a quick look actually um, at our Who Got The Assist um, team league to see um, how many hits um, sort of all the members of the team have taken and how they've performed and just looking at the, the top five it was um, Ewan who's, who's overtaken me in the, in the league he's he's only uh, taken three hits all season and, um, to grand total of 12 points um, I've taken four 16 points Ed, who's in third, he's he's taken five, so he's done 20 points in total. Uh, Goops is seven with 28. And then you, you've taken 12 hits, 
to a grand total of 48 points. <laughs> so you're, um, you've definitely been a, a lot more heavy in terms of your, your hits taking so far this season. So I wanted to talk a little bit about risk, but not the board game, but instead sort of analysing what kind of players um, you are. And so um, a risk profile, I guess, is something that is used within the, um, the finance industry when you're picking a portfolio of assets. For instance, you're often considered a conservative investor if you want to play it safe and you may invest in a tracker fund or a safe sector, which typically does well, or a big company such as Apple. However, if, if you're kind of more of a risk taker, you might like to play dangerously and you might invest in volatile assets such as cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or unestablished startup companies. And um, this modeling of risk profiling can be applied to FPL. And in order to do this, I, I want you as a listener to, to count the total amount of points hit you've made this season and based on this I'm going to categorize you within a, a certain risk profile if you've taken naught to four hits or grand total of naught to 16 points in total I've labeled you as a, a cautious risk taker these sort of players with a cautious risk profile less likely to gamble too much with their portfolio more likely to sit tight and keep faith in the players they've invested in even if they're going through a poor patch they always look for opportunities to mitigate risk in a bad game week by captaining and holding on to highly owned assets like Salah and Kane and won't venture too often and take gambles on other players like Hazard, who are perhaps more mercurial in their performances. And the next category is moderate, five to eight hits, uh, 20 to 32 points. Uh, players with a moderate risk profile will take some gambles, but also will often have a number of heavy hitters and highly owned players within their squad. They're mostly captain Kane or Salah, but may be tempted by a differential captain like a City player. Expect to see the likes of Aguero and City midfielders in this team. Then finally, this is your category, Tom, is the <laughs> aggressive risk taker. And this is nine plus or 10 plus hits to a 32, 36 points overall taken so far this season yeah or more in my case <laughs> yeah more in your case so you're very aggressive perhaps but uh, so players with an aggressive risk profile are more likely to take chances on high risk assets this could be a player who's a differential who perhaps isn't in the template because they easily see you make huge gains examples can include sanchez and mané they're more likely to make early transfers in order to gain value even if it is breaking the austin rule as in that player has a midweek fixture um, something you've done a couple of times, actually. Um, aggressive players will do the analysis, look at the players in question, know there is a chance that the um, the player they are selling could haul, but are willing to hedge their bets on a punt that the replacement will do better than the player they are selling. And I said, see Tom selling Son for Lingard. <laughs> well, that's fascinating, Nick. Genuinely, uh, I, I'm not surprised that I've ended up in the top sector. And I think you can definitely see... Um, the typology of different people based on the you know, people you know and people we know, of course. Um, you know, I'm already kind of putting people into particular boxes there and just thinking about it. That's really awesome. And I'm, yeah, I'm a risk taker. You, you know that. It just hasn't paid off this year, whereas it did a bit more last season. I wouldn't say there were particularly mad punts either. I just, I think maybe moving Son for Lingard, like looking back, it looks a bit silly and I wish I didn't do it. But at the time, you know, Lingard was coming in some good form. We're going to come on to him in a bit. Last season, I took 44 points in hits by this point as well. So I'm nothing if not consistent. And I was in 150k, actually. This season, I've taken 48, as you said, and I'm at 278. But it seems that, you know, that that's kind of always how I've played. Um, this week, actually, I was very close, as you know, to removing Kenny uh, for, for Maguire, knowing it would be a bit of a risk uh, to bring him in before the price rise. And actually, I stopped because of Arnautovic. 
I think there's definitely kind of other factors in play, perhaps uh, behind my performance this year, as I said. But I think the benefit of standing still is something I'm trying to learn, <laughs> but it's still quite difficult um, because you know I always kind of think, you know, well, what what if I get this guy in and he, he returns me, you know, that that kind of that fundable twenty pointer from the lottery from bringing in uh, bringing in a a, a punt. Uh, so yeah, uh, awesome, Nick. Thanks very much for that. Uh, let's take a little break now, and then we'll move on to uh, purchase planning and also talk about the Richarlison and Arnie replacements. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and the next topic of conversation is uh, planned purchase choices for the next few game weeks. Uh, do we look at season keepers, or do we still focus on the next two to three game weeks? I think there's alternative points of view about this. Um, I did speak to a few people well about about this this topic, and I think a lot of it depends on if you wild card or not. Um, is is it a case that if you do have a wild card still in the, your pocket, you're more likely to do something for short term pain for long term game, or is it a case that no matter what, you're going to take points grabs? And I got a couple of viewpoints on this as well from those who don't have wild cards anymore, just because we both have our wild cards, don't we? Um, but FPL guidance said that he was less likely to think about short term risks and more likely to kind of buy players for long term because he's only got forty three transfers left for the remainder of the season um, so he's kind of mitigating the need to take a risk uh, FPL wildcard said he was trying to only think five games ahead at most um, just because he hasn't got that safety net anymore and uh, Goops uh, who was mentioned in the WGTA team league uh, said there's lots of planning he's got to do and he got short, short-term bounce but now he has to really think about what happens going forward and I think for me on this there's two buckets in my head for how players are separated up you know there's the vulnerable kind of players in my team and the invulnerable players and the, the, the invulnerable ones are the ones who um, I'll bring in and hopefully leave no matter what. These tend to be kind of the more expensive players. Um, and these are the ones uh, that I, will always be season keepers for me, unless anything goes wrong. Um, it's like the core idea I spoke about a little while ago. Um, I'd say that some players aren't going to leave unless something uh, drastic happens. Players like Salah, Sterling, Otamendi, Alonso, uh, Kane. Um, but those on the edges like Wilson, Lingard, Arnautovic, they're more susceptible to change. And those are the players that um, I'm happy to kind of spend my transfers tinkering with whilst the core of the team stays the same. Sometimes it can be, I, I, I like the fact I've got the wild card kind of there. Um, so I can look at each transfer in isolation and I don't really need to worry about it too much until I wild card, if that makes sense. So I find for a big buy, I'm happy to take minus four and kind of say it's a season keeper um, and have that. and have that. But for other ones, I'm happy to take a punt as long as it kind of plugs the gap and uh, does an odd job for me. What do you think, Nick? Do you see your transfers differently depending on if they're a short-term or long-term kind of move? Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, for me, there's been three season keepers, which I've had since game week one, that have just sort of given me regular, regular dividends. Those are Alonso, Kane and, and Salah and... Uh, I think what's been really good about these three guys is they've they've been nailed. You know, they they play week in, week out. They're that crucial to their teams. You know, Alonso, for instance, has had no competition um in the left back position all season and this has made him key to um to Chelsea. Um all three players have been consistent as well. Um Salah's only blanked twice in a row once um this season, which mm-hmm. is incredible really. Um and um all three have avoided injury and suspension, which is, you know, been brilliant for me. I guess I've been quite lucky in that sense that three of my key players have avoided injury and suspension. And I guess I'm probably doing Sterling a disservice by not talking about him as well because I did get him in game week six, I think, on my wild card, and he stayed there as well. So he's been he's been a very um, key player to uh, my team. But I've also what I've tried to do as well is have these players that come in and out of my team in those other positions. For instance, the second striker slot. I've always tried to keep a good budget for that. I've had a lot of Lukaku, a lot of Morata, 
and now Firmino with not much success, to be honest. Um, but I've always kind of had an opportunity to rotate. So I think having that flexibility has been very important. And it's the same as well with um, sort of the second midfielder slot and the uh, second defender slot. So players like Otamendi have come into my team. Um, Ericsson's come into my team now. And and these are the, the guys that can come in and out. Like I'm probably going to sell Ericsson this game week, actually, uh, because of Spurs fixtures and also because of his health. So um, he's probably going to leave anyway. And it gives me a bit of flexibility to rotate those positions while still sort of keeping a core core squad that have um, sort of served me well through the season. And I think you need those season keepers, especially this year in particular. I don't think last year anyone was in my team for more than sort of 20, 21 game weeks in a row, to be honest. But this season, it's definitely it's definitely served me well having these these players in my team. I think that's been a bit of a difference as well. I think if you compare your six to my six, like um, my guys would have been like moving around a lot more because I've been taking risks where you, you've definitely been better at kind of keeping the faith and identifying these guys as season keepers. You know, they could have an adverse fixture. I remember with Kate, when he was injured against Man United, you were happy to kind of just sit back, weren't you? And I think that's maybe been the difference because it's cost me points to kind of remove him and all this kind of thing and put him back in again. Yeah, definitely. And we saw it as well with Salah. Um, he, he suffered an injury, actually, and um, a lot of people sold him. And um, he never... And the thing is with Salah, we, we had so much value in him that we lost 0.5 team value just by selling him. And he yeah. didn't call him price at all. And then as soon as he returned, he got a haul. So I think this is also relating to sort of risk as well. It was a risk for sort of people to sell Salah. And the, the Kane exit was a huge... Well, was a risk at the time that really kind of blew up in people's faces when he scored um, back-to-back hat-tricks. So I think, um, you know, hanging on to these guys, a bit more cautious approach has has paid off this season for sure for me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so I think let's move on to the final kind of order of our, our kind of talking points. And I think it's... Uh, Got to be about budget midfielders. We've seen Arnautovic kind of on. We've seen Richarlison uh, tweeting an angry face when Marco Silva got sacked. We've seen Lingard blanking. And uh, we simply had lots of questions on this as well. And I think it's worth kind of pushing up in, in, in the pod. Um, so Wilson Ng, uh, smart fat man, uh, Guna FPL, MJ, uh, FPL fanatics, uh, Joseph Allegretti asked all about these kind of guys. Who, What do we do with them? Uh, we've, there are a couple of diverse opinions as well. So uh, Tom Campbell asked, is there, is there a case to keep Lingard? And Varen also asked about kind of uh, Richarlison and keeping him on. I think, you know, Arnie has to go. Uh, I think we probably both agreed there. Uh, Lingard, I had a look at his last couple of games and he is less threatening. So I compared game week 21, 22 with the last two games. spoke about him uh, getting unlucky for me uh, earlier on. But his XG had gone de- right down, so it was 0.5 and now it's 0.1. He had seven attempts uh, between 21 and 22. That's one every 25 minutes. Between 23 and 24, he's had two attempts, which is one every 80 minutes. So he's had a real kind of downturn in his, in his form in front of goal. He's created more chances. So he created four in the last two versus just one in the uh, two before that. But yeah, there's a, there's a slight decline in threat. And of course, the Sanchez factor, which we're going to talk about later on, had a few, few questions on that. Uh, might make me want to get rid. He has scored consecutive consecutively at Wembley and also has Huddersfield uh, the weekend after next but yeah no I've got to get rid of I think I, I kind of want to get rid of him but Richarlison you definitely should get rid of Varen asked about him and I think that he's definitely going to be another person to be looking at so I compared game week four to nine when he was on fire to the last six and XG's down shots are down shots per minute's down so he's having one shot every 38 minutes rather than shot every 25 minutes looking quite tired to the eye and it's I think it's time to get rid of him he looks off form he looks tired and he must be angry now 
and you know, he's knacker from Fluminense. So yeah, these guys I think need to go. And who do you think you're going to be bringing in, Nicky, for Arnie? Um, yeah, obviously Arnie with the injury. I'm, I'm waiting and seeing to hear a bit more, but it sounds like his hamstring is completely gone. So um, I, I think the person I'm looking at um, is Shakiri. Um, he's priced at 6.0. He's been quite prolific, I guess, in his attempts. Um, so I had a quick look at sort of all the midfielders around and Altrovic's uh, price and below um, in terms of goal attempts and uh, how they've and, you know, just to see, obviously, I need to find someone who who can score and get the occasional assist as well. And Shakiri is definitely up there in terms of the stats. He's he's third uh, for goal attempts uh, behind Anatovic and Jordan Ibe. In from the last six game weeks with 16 goal attempts, um, he's had um, eight inside the box, um, six which have been on target. Unfortunately, he hasn't scored in the last six. But um, what I like about um, Shakiri is um, the fact that uh, Stoke, um, they're, they're not going to have any blank game weeks, so that will help me during the uh, the blank game week period. They've got a good fixture run as well, and the next four aren't too bad. Watford, Bournemouth, Brighton and Leicester. And uh, yeah, they've got a new manager in. I know you, you're not a fan of Lambert, as you as you told us on the last pod, but um, you know, started off well with a, with a win and a, and a rare clean sheet as well. So uh, no, I'm not going to be talking about the Stoke defence quite yet. Yeah, so I think Shakiri is the one I'm looking at. There's a few others out there. So William's um, an interesting option, to be honest. He's, uh, he's had three assists and two goals in the last six, but he's slightly more premium in price. Um, there's um, Lingard as well. You've talked about some people are thinking about keeping him. I think, you know, I think there's a decent case for um, keeping him, to be honest. Three goals still in his last six. I know he's had blanks in a row, but um, he might start to um, link up well with Sanchez once Sanchez joins the club. And and he was he was looking like United's... Uh, bright spark just a few game weeks ago and there was a reason that you did son to lingard even though it seems a little bit daft now yeah, yeah um, exactly. so they have spurs up next which is a tough fixture but after that it's huddersfield at home and then newcastle away which are both you know you know very very nice fixtures so if, if we get past this game week you'll be quite pleased i guess with lingard playing huddersfield at home if you had him still in your team it's uh it's just one where i think you've got to watch the alexis factor and i think the temptation for me is just to, just to cut my losses just because i'm so annoyed at him um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at Shakiri as well. But I think so many other people looking at Shakiri. And then what I said at the top about my game week, I'm kind of looking elsewhere just because I feel that, you know, suddenly Shakiri is going to be everyone's new Arnautovic. And uh, I had a look at all these guys as well. I mean, as I said, as you said, Shakiri comes out on top. Uh, Chupo Moting, who actually was fielded on the left and was through the middle in Lambert's first game, which might mean he's not going to continue this kind of level of threat. But he was winning out on the minutes per pen box touch and things like that. And also kind of uh, attempts in the box two over Shakiri just about. The Scottish Messi, who I'm never going to go back to ever, <laughs> Ryan Fraser, is actually not looking too bad either. So he's been second to, for Tupe Moting for pen box touches. The one I've been thinking of, Nick, a little bit is Walcott. Um, so like this year, obviously, it's been a bit hit and miss. But last year, remember at the start of the season, he was he was on fire. Um, I, I looked at his his stats from I think game week four to nine when he was looking really good last year, and we all had him in our teams, even though just he was quite. I think it was seven point five again. But this time last year, in that in that kind of six week interval, he had twenty four shots in the box, a shot every twenty one minutes, and a shot accuracy of forty six percent. Whereas Shakiri's at the moment is thirty eight percent. There's definitely one to bear in mind. And another one to throw into the mix here, Nick, is uh, and Dave from Burnley, I should say, also mentioned him. Uh, is my man Antonio. 
<laughs> don't forget about Michael Antonio, Nick. With uh, Arnautovic out, uh, with Lanzini out, he could be the main man. And we know he can be productive in the Prem. So he got nine goals and five assists last season. I remember he got three assists for me in one game over Christmas. A shot every 31 minutes. And he, he's probably one of the only footballers to have a part of the penalty box named after him. <laughs> I remember Martin Tyler saying, oh, it's coming into Antonio territory. Uh, just off the uh, edge of the six-yard line to meet across. He's 7.4. And he could be one with West Ham's fixtures. We know they're good. That's why we're keeping on out of it but one who could come into the reckoning perhaps I'm actually looking at taking a minus for this game week I'm, I'm thinking about well if Arnie's ruled out I'll be selling him and Ericsson as well and I've got a lot of money in the bank so I'm, I'm thinking about a little bit of a punt um, probably Shakiri is one of the midfielders but the other one I'm looking at is uh, Kevin De Bruyne I just yeah. uh, I fancy him for the next three and because um, I can't afford um, Aguero, unfortunately, and priced out. I think he'll be a, a decent differential to have in the midfield. I, I saw that you, you'd mentioned Sane as well as um, a possibility for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that in the future, the uh, I think we've got a couple of questions on this as well, but from the blank game week in 28 onwards, their fixtures get very stiff. Um, but I'm thinking of Sane just for a, just for a few games. Uh, they've got West Brom next, uh, Burnley away with Leicester at home. And he's actually been, been doing... Pre- pretty well in terms of the stats as well I can't get Aguero in basically I think there's a pretty good kind of uh, middle ground to be found in my team just for a bit of a naked points grab we spoke about kind of season keepers earlier and this is probably one of the times where I know I'm bringing a player in that I'm going to remove again but in the last game that that assist was awesome for Aguero and it, it could well be that he um he produces even if it is just a pair of assists. I think that'd be quite nice. And and of all the games this week, I think that that West Brom game is the best one. We've got a little bit more money, of course, compared to a lot of people who are getting rid of Arnautovic for various reasons. But I think it's worth a little digression here. But I, I think after kind of that Leicester game in game week 27, the logical move is to move on to Mares. Um, Mares, we've spoken about him um, a little bit on the past few pods and definitely um, last week when we were talking about how good Leicester's fixtures were. Leicester's next three, they've got Everton, Swansea and Man City. See, Swansea's kind of the plum fixture there. But I kind of think, well, I'm going to shove um, Darnay in for three fixtures. And then from game week 28, they're going to have a blank. They'll have Stoke, uh, Bournemouth, West Brom. So three quite nice games. And they've got quite nice games for the end of the season. I think they only played two of the top six until until the final day when they play Spurs. I'm not going to get Mahrez in first, I don't think. Because um, I think with the transfer window, <laughs> there's always a chance that a bid can come in and suddenly his head's gone. But after that, I, th- I think it's definitely worth kind of considering. I guess of the cheap midfielders then, Nick, if we weren't kind of looking at the guys we're looking at, if you're not looking at Kevin De Bruyne, um, would you be looking at saying Shakiri's the top one and maybe, I, I don't know, who's the, who's the second for you? Yeah, it's tough. I, you made an interesting case as well about Antonio and Walcott. I think um, for me, Shakiri, then it might even be someone like Chupo Moting, is another another decent option. Um, I, I still quite like Lingard actually. I know people are selling him, but I still think he's a, he's a decent option and differential in the midfield. So I, I I'd say um, I, I think to hold him, to be honest, I don't think it's worth selling him. But um, yeah, I guess there's, there's not really that much in terms of options. We've sort of seen Richarlison um, drift out. Of, form a little bit but he was sort of the, the leader I guess in that category for most of the season yeah for sure all right Nick well we've spoken about that a fair bit hopefully that kind of helps you guys probably say we're probably saying Shakiri, and I'm probably saying I'm not going to go Shakiri because it's too much of a a, te- a template uh, move but I, I might end up doing it just to cover myself who knows yeah I'm not sure how template he is to be honest I mean his ownership is uh still very low and and the transfers in he's not he's not appearing on our radar yet so uh, for transfers in 
either, probably because he hasn't actually scored since game week 15. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just be a meta, a meta thing. Yeah, maybe it's just the Twitter, like the Twitterverse, and 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 uh, places like Fantasy Football Scouter who are kind of making me think, yeah, this guy's gonna be bought by everyone. When in fact, you know, maybe the the news is still being digested now. Anyway, um, Nick's just mentioned the economy and our and our kind of notes on that, and we're gonna come on to that in a minute when we talk about the features after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and this is uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is our anti-meta team. I'll be update you on those guys. Um, these are the players, just to remind you, who aren't in the template or being spoken about in the wide meta at the moment. We try to keep them on as 10% owned, and for that reason, we had to sell uh, Song Her Min, our triple captain supreme, and uh, we sold him, and we, we put it to a public vote, and uh, I think Craft FPL pointed out that I'd forgotten... Uh, forgotten Lanzini because I put it together when I was on a wee break uh, to be honest with you <laughs> and I realized that yeah probably he was a good choice to put in so I let the initial poll run I took the first two the, the top two kind of winners of that and shoved Lanzini in as well and in a final kind of poll and uh, I think a lot of people voted and uh, Lanzini was chosen as a man to be brought in unfortunately he's now injured so he might take him straight back out again uh but, but anyway the the anti-mess this week uh they, they didn't do very well they got 41 uh they're down to 930k which is the fall of 200,000 places uh the captain Lacazette came through with a, with a goal Millie uh scored a goal off the bench because Sanchez didn't play for obvious reasons uh but apart from that it, it was a pretty poor game week for for all concerned and um yeah unfortunately we've got a few injury issues as well Nick we've got Lanzini who's now probably going to be ruled out for a little while by all accounts and we've also got Gary Cahill on the bench but the good thing is that Alexis Sanchez is in situ in the anti-meta team. And I think really? that's going to be quite exciting going forward. I don't know how long he's going to be able to stay in the anti-meta team, um, but, but he's there. And I think he's going to be captain on his debut for us. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool. That's brilliant. So we're going to move on to um, the market forces section now. This is um, our regular feature where we look at them, sort of movers and shakers within the market and sort of assess the reasons as to why players are uh, rising and falling in value and, and generating buys and sells. Um, at the moment, it looks like Anasovic is actually um, most active in terms of players uh, being sold, probably because as the uh, the news of his injury continues yeah. to filter, he's had um, he's had over 6,000 transfers out so far, but um, net transfers out, that is. But yeah, I think... That, that's uh, in the last kind of... That must have been the last kind of... 12 hours or so I think yeah that. definitely yeah so he's, he's starting to generate a lot more traffic but still not top at the moment in terms of transfers out and actually it's um, your man Lingard so I, I think when when a player starts getting sold people look at the uh, most transferred out players they start to panic a bit they look at websites like um, FPL statistics and fantasy football fix and and see that a player is going to fall in value and this this generates a little bit of a, a rush to sell he, even before um midweek fixtures and we've always kind of tried to advise against that so you know have a little bit have a little bit of patience and just wait and see but um yeah Lingard's generating a lot of sales at the moment he's at over seventy thousand transfers out and yeah. so has um so has um, Christian Eriksen who didn't play uh midweek he's had over sixty thousand transfers out it's, it's mostly in terms of players transferring out it's mostly Spurs players Eriksen, Son, Kane quite crazy really that Kane's had over fifty thousand transfers out I think we're going to talk about Kane a little bit in the questions but you know this is a, this is a guy who's the top scorer and last time there was a big fire sale he scored two hat-tricks in a row so not not too sure about that one but um, I think one of the reasons is uh, because of Sergio Aguero um, getting a hat-trick he's the most transferred in player this game week with 
over 90,000 transfers in so far. And um, I guess when you see a player get a hat-trick, a lot of people are very impulsive. They think, oh, he's going to do it again. He's going to repeat, especially when he's got kind fixtures. So um, that's that's the reason Aguero's generating a lot of activity. I guess it's just the news of his um, goals, just people just, you know, jumping straight on. I think a lot of people, like, if that sort of thing happens, they're not the sort of people you think live and let die. Let's just leave it. Um, they're more the sort of people who kind of chase points. I think we're going to talk about this in, in the community section. We've got a few questions on this and how fast the market is moving. But it is really interesting to see that that kind of that, that one thing has meant that a fair proportion of those cane sellers that you've cited have definitely just gone straight to Aguero, haven't they? I mean, there's no there's nowhere else they're going to be going this week, judging by the transfers in and out. Maybe some to Vardy, but the majority are going to Aguero. And I think that that's that's really interesting. Just just in terms of like availability, people have seen that hat trick, chasing those points. And it, could it be that that Kane, yeah, Kane equals him over the next kind of few game weeks? Who knows? Um, that's interesting as well. And I think the final one to talk about is Willian, who's being brought in. Uh, his uh, Aguero's fellow South American. He's been brought in by sixty nine thousand people so far. I, th- I think that's an interesting one too. He's six point seven, of course. So he would fit into the, into the analysis earlier. The only the only and you mentioned him briefly, didn't you, Nick? The the only thing with him is that he's. Um, I think he's a one point away from to happen. I mean, I, I'm. I'm sure I'm going to prove him wrong now. He's going to hold down his spot for the rest of the season. But he feels like one of those players for who, um, you know, when Pedro's back, when Morata's back, when Fabregas is back and they're trying to move all the players around. And Ross Barkley's now a feature, of course, as well. Um, who, who's going to uh, eventually just be on the bench and you're going to get one pointer out of him. And I feel like he he's not one that I'd be investing in uh, long run, maybe in the short term. You know, with the good features for, for Chelsea and the next three, they've obviously got Bournemouth, Watford and West Brom, uh, the next three before the fixtures stiffen a tiny bit for a couple of uh, couple of games against Manchester clubs. But yeah, he's he's uh, uh, not one that I'm going to be looking at, I don't think. But you were kind of looking at him, weren't you, before the last game week, kind of half-heartedly almost. Yeah, I was, I was looking at him because it's sort of a differential pick. I knew that uh, Pedro Morata were both ruled out of that fixture. So I thought, oh, Williams got, got to start that one. So I was quite kind of tempted to just to punt on him. And uh, if I had punted, if I had taken that risk, I'd have been rewarded. But um, yeah, he's an interesting case because in the last five game weeks, he's only actually started two of the games. But when he has started, he's got hauls. He got a 17-point return against Stoke with a goal and two assists. And, and last game week, he got 12 points with a goal and an assist against Brighton. So yeah, I mean, I can understand why people bring him in. But there is that risk that he might not start, even in, even though he's in good form. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, then, Nick, uh, let, let's take a break there and then we'll move on to the community section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and um, it's time to catch up with the uh, Who Got the Assist mini-league. And um, I guess the big news is there's been a name change at the top of our league. There's a new uh, person at the top, but it's, it's the same person. <laughs> and it's uh, Lalana Land. He's now called um, Dirk Gently. But he obviously the name change uh, paid dividends for him because he got a 91-point haul this game week, which is you know, oh, brilliant. Um, he played his wild card as well, which was, you know, a bit risky, I guess. But with Sergio Aguero as your captain, what a brilliant move that is. Uh, 34 points. He also brought in William. So he's been taking a few more risks than I have, I guess. And that risk paid off with 12 points. Uh, Mares got eight. Aspilicueta got six. Jones got nine. And De Gea as well. Double United defence got him six points. So, yeah, uh, well done, Dirk. 
So, uh, yeah, top of the league, and he's, he's starting to rise up the ranks as well, back up to 11. <laughs> well done, Dirk. I feel like I, I've got a vision of you like shaking Dirk Cout's hand for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, everyone else has done quite well. Um, cruise control, Stevie Sunshine, still in second. It's the same names, um, really, in the top five. We've got Andrew Ferguson, two girls, one schlup. Um, in third, Ben Sutton, the Terrabands in fourth, and um, up into fifth now is uh, Ewan Ralston with uh, Kofefefe. Nice one, uh, nice Trump shout out there. Um, speaking of shout outs, oh, that was a terrible segue. Um, we have a shout out to uh, Two Season Syndrome, Com, and MJ of, of in the FCC Cup, which is run by uh, FPL Savage. So we are uh, together a team uh, called Lacazetto della Sport, and uh, we go up against different teams every week in the kind of round robin uh, last week it was against uh, El Stato and co and uh, you know we had uh, Con as captain so his points for the whole game we get doubled and he, he captained Aguero at my insistence he was going to captain on, on Altovic but I told him just to put the whiskey down and to just captain Aguero and and he did and on the Monday night with the, with the Swansea result, we somehow came through. The other team had, uh, I think, a couple of Salah captains, a couple of Firminos. I actually personally wish Firmino had scored. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, that, that saw us go through because one of our players, MJ, had Fabianski. So yeah, great result. And just a shout out to those guys. Uh, really, really the, the only kind of entertaining bit of this weekend for me in some ways. Uh, and I think just quickly, we want to say this is our 25th pod. And I, I kind of, we were both like, whoa, um, coming into it. And I, we want to just kind of give a shout out both of us to the community generally as thanks to all of you for all your support it's amazing to be doing this and it's just really cool that people are enjoying it yeah thanks um thanks a lot we appreciate all the um the support that all our listeners have provided us and uh, yeah um here's to another 25 pods the next guest on the pod is FPL Connect, who's going to come on in Game Week 26. FPL Connect runs a blog, very well regarded, started up at the same time as us, um, but particularly notable for the captain articles, which are very well researched, and also for his uh, weekly roundup of the press conferences, which are absolutely invaluable, and we urge you to, to keep up with that on Reddit and on Twitter and other places. Right, let's move forward to uh, the questions. And the first one, I think FPL Rich particularly asked us, when do we start considering Alexis Sanchez, Nick? Well, you know, um, obviously the anti-metas have already uh, considered him and kept him in their side, but he is a Manchester United player. Now, next game, he, he might be ready for the Spurs game, but I, I'd probably say wait at least for the Spurs game to pass. And then with that Huddersfield at home, he, he looks like a very <laughs> tempting uh, proposition suddenly. He's... Um, He's 11.7 million, and that's, I guess, the issue with Sanchez. He's one of those players which you can't afford, really. You have to kind of tear your team apart a little bit in order to bring him in. And, uh, you know, you might have to sell the likes of Kane or Aguero to, to fund such a, a premium midfielder. So I guess I guess that is one issue with Sanchez. But, if you know, he's at a new club. He'll be ready. He'll be wanting to, um, to score week in, week out. He might be able to show that form that was so electric last season. I think he was the top scorer last season. And yeah, I can I can see people taking a punt on him, especially if he gets the if he scores against Spurs, it's it's going to go wild for him, isn't it? But uh, he is very expensive, so you have to you have to think very carefully about who you're going to sell if you're going to bring in someone like Sanchez. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm thinking of if I want to bring in Sanchez, and to be honest, that Huddersfield game uh, for me as a as a now uh, a now certified by 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 Nick uh, a high risk gambler. 
that that Huddersfield game is looking like a, a, a red rag to a bull for me. <laughs> that looks very, very tempting. You know, first game in front of his his new fan in his new stadium. He's going to want to perform in that, isn't he? You know, that's, it was like kind of the same reason I catched Nikaku on game week one when he scored the brace. Like, I feel like that, that could happen. Um, as you say, the issue is the... Uh, the price. Um, if I want to get him in, I've got to take out one of my expensive defenders, perhaps, or maybe not a Mendy. And I'm probably going to have to sh- like, do a little bit of shearing elsewhere. But it's definitely something which is on the back of my mind. And it's definitely one thing which is holding me back from uh, from Sana at the moment. And one thing which is making me think, well, you know, maybe it is with Shakiri uh, the best option for now. So I can kind of bridge my way to Sanchez for a minus four. Definitely want to keep your eye on them. To be to be honest, as we said earlier, after the Spurs game, they've got Huddersfield, Newcastle, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, and Liverpool. And um, I think that five constitute decent uh, decent enough fixtures. I mean, Sanchez was so fixture proof, wasn't he, last year? And I think that um, you know he he's just one of he's just one of those players that if you can get him in your side, you kind of every other year will want to. If he's motivated and at Man United, then I think we start considering Alexis straight away. Um, as you say, wait for the first game, which is luckily against Tottenham. But after the Huddersf- after that game's passed and Huddersfield's going, if he scores, you know, all bets are off, and I'm probably going to be looking at it. Frankly, he's just that good. Um, I say that as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess he's one of those players where the world is not enough for him, is it? And I guess he just um, he chose money in the end, didn't he? Um, instead of uh, perhaps a Premier League title. But the less said uh, about that, the better, because I don't want to annoy any United fans. Might <laughs> I, be I, I like how you're making the Arsenal argument better than I am. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I, I don't really think he did choose money. But... <laughs> yeah, I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess it segues um, quite well into our next question, which is all about <laughs> yeah. money and, and managing uh, value in FPL. So Richard Skeen has um, asked us, should we be aiming to make money from our transfers every week? And how much should we focus on team value? Uh, Mr. Walker-Porter, he's asked us, how do you navigate the stupid people making price rises happen when there is date until the next FPL fixture? And Andy Goodland has asked, he says he's perfect money for a move, but he doesn't know whether to go for it or not. And um, yeah, I guess um, we've talked a lot about team value all season and how it is important, especially um, with uh, the bench boost upcoming um, when the, you know teams have double game weeks, especially with now like players like Sanchez who have who have been deemed unaffordable come into play and, and you want to bring these guys into your team but still hang on to the likes of Kane and Salah and Firmino etc. So yeah, team value is very important. Um, it's worth um, always monitoring when a player is falling, whether that's actually going to impact you or not. So obviously, if if you have 0.2, if you made 0.2 on a player and he's about to fall then, uh, you know, you need to send him. If you've only made 0.1, then, then you're not going to lose out on your sell value at all. So you can afford to be patient. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. It's definitely worth looking at. I think for me, um, you, you've got to get... It's difficult to, it's difficult to make an exact estimate for how much you probably need if, you're going, if you still have your wild card and you're going to wild card for double game week. But every year I've kind of tried to get to 106 just so you've got 103 to spend because that kind of covers a lot of rises and falls. However, the the danger is like if you, if we we have something called the Charlie Austin rule and Nick alluded to it earlier, which is where last year we both brought in Charlie Austin for a hit. Um, he was playing Hap- Hapoel Beer Shiva, 
in midweek in the in the UEL, and we thought, well, he probably's not going to play, you know. Um, but then he got carried off with a, with a, with a shoulder injury, and uh, yeah, we had to take a minus eight to get rid of him without him having set foot in our teams. And I think we both kind of think it's probably a good idea to show some restraint. And this week, I've been saying, you know, I I'm looking at Kenny. Kenny's dropping. Looking at Maguire. Maguire's almost definitely rising. He's on the uh, he's definitely he's on the list for the NTIs, and he's a. Uh, in the kind of top 20, he's had 21,000 transfers in so far. And uh, M- Maguire is one that I want until the end of the season. I don't want Kenny. I think that, you know, Coleman's playing for the, had played, has played for the uh, Everton B team. So he's going to be coming back. But at the same time, like, on our switch injury news is such a timely reminder that if I'd done that transfer, I'd immediately have been behind everybody else. And I'm starting to see as well that if I take a hit, uh, sorry, if I don't take a hit, a lot of game week that I immediately have a green arrow according to fancy will fix straight away. So it definitely seems like it's a good time to be kind of trying to hold on. If you do have perfect money, try to resist it to some extent, just because it's the, the worst thing when you bring someone in, you have to get rid of them straight away. Yeah, we, we should be, you should be aiming to make money if you can keep an eye on it as Nick says, but at the end of the day points rather than the value of your team determine how well you do every year. Like you don't remember the fact that your team was worth 107 million at the end of the season. You remember the fact that you finished 15 K. Yep. And that, that's what's important in my view. And I think you probably agree with that, right? Yeah, for sure. So I guess um, we'll move on now to um, sort of this, this question about the Spurs exodus. And we talked a little bit about um, the Spurs players being sold in the market forces. So FPL Flyers asked us, do we drop Spurs assets or are the defences of Arsenal, Liverpool and United all breachable by Kane, Eriksson, Son and Ali? So um, what do you think about that then, Tom? Yeah, uh, FPL Nomad also asked about this in terms of a uh, Kane exit. And uh, I think kind of in answer to Fly's question, which is a really good one, that we've seen a lot of people selling these guys. And you're even uh, looking at selling Ericsson for a few reasons, aren't you? Um, I kind of had a look at Spurs against these three teams. And to be honest, I, I used Harry Kane as a proxy for Spurs' productivity. Um, we don't. We obviously don't endorse Kane exit. I probably should be looking a bit more seriously, given where I am in the overall rankings, that maybe moving Kane for Aguero. But I, I just feel like it's always going to be a, an abortive exercise to remove Kane. You're always going to want him back, and uh, you know, looking at Kane's record against these teams is kind of a good proxy because you've got Eriksson, Ali, and Son who are probably going to be sharing in the proceeds, depending on how well Kane's uh, Kane's done. Um, so last year, Man United beat Spurs. Uh, 1-0 and they lost 2-1 to Spurs and uh, Kane scored them 2-1 win. Uh, but that was his first goal against Man United, funnily enough, in seven appearances against them. So he's only scored his first goal recently against them. Um, United have four clean sheets in a row, which we're both quite happy about as a Jones owner your side and as a DDG owner here. We both know what Jose Mourinho is going to do in that game, let's be fair. Um, he's going to park the bus. So maybe, you know, there's one week. But again, uh, kind of moving on from that, you've got Liverpool, um, he scored a brace against them earlier this uh, earlier on in the season. Um, last year it was one one uh, and two nil uh, to Liverpool. That is, and Kane's got four goals and two assists against them. That's including the brace. Uh, but Liverpool haven't kept a clean sheet in the last four weeks, uh, and that was the time they beat a hapless Swansea five nil. They'd never lose to them again, would they? <laughs> anyway, uh, expect goals and against us, uh, Arsenal. Obviously, we beat them two nil back in October. A rare bright spot this season. Uh, but back in April, uh, Spurs beat us 2-0 at White Hart Lane. Ken, Kane scored a penalty. He's got six goals versus, against us. Uh, he, he's That's the joint third club he scored the most against. Uh, the top, actually, Nick, is Leicester, um, which obviously includes the four at the end of last yeah, season. Yeah. But we've not kept a clean sheet in the last six weeks. <laughs> and uh, the intervening fixtures for us, the Swansea... Um, 
who have obviously just beaten Liverpool and uh, and Everton. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll keep one there, and hope maybe hopefully I say as an Arsenal fan, maybe as an FPL manager, uh, we'll continue to keep clean sheets. Um, but I expect there to be goals in that game for Kane, and I expect there to be goals in that game for Spurs. So I think probably the answer is, from my perspective anyway, and that you you're obviously going to talk about why you moved me, Ericsson, and what you think. If it's Kane, keep him. If it's uh, and if it's others, if you've got better things to be doing, you know you've got an injury, you've got that Dominic Calvert Lewin who's not playing, get rid of him. You've got Robin Loft- Ruben Loftus Cheek, get rid of him. If if you've got a decent team, just leave it. I'd play your Spurs players and keep them for um, for Man United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Um, Man United maybe that'll be a you know three pointer, but Liverpool and Arsenal, I think there'll be definitely points in those games for your Spurs players. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I think the issue is that a lot of us are doubled up or tripled up with Spurs at the moment. You'd already got rid of your your second asset. I've still got mine. And with the fixture shift, I think it's time for the the second asset to go. My answer would be I wouldn't sell Kane. But if you've got Ali or Ericsson or perhaps even Son still in your team as well in midfield, it might be time to to look at other options. Um, You know, there are some interesting options up there in midfield, like Samarez as well we talked about earlier. So, yeah, I think think perhaps drop one of your Spurs assets, but just don't sell Harry Kane because we've seen Kane exiters punished before. And I think the Kane exit, uh, Mac 2 is maybe a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, yeah, I guess the spectre of that Kane exit is hanging over me a little bit, and I would just never. I, I, I am a risk taker, but I feel like there's a few players that I said earlier who are invulnerable, and Kane is one of those who's completely, you know, greyed out. If I'm looking at who to potentially transfer in and out, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe there is a case for moving a second. It's probably easy for me to say because, as you said, I've removed mine already. But if I did have Son or something and I, did, I had other injuries elsewhere, then I'd be tempted to to keep hold, certainly. All right, moving on. Um, let's move on to City. Um, Alex Ball asks us, is it too late to jump on the Kun train? Choo-choo, but not to remove Kane for him. So uh, do it for other means. And FPL Mongoose points out that after Leicester, City embark on a dire run, which also takes in a blank, um, potentially. So do we ditch City assets? Uh, they've got Arsenal in game in game 28, maybe. Uh, they've got Chelsea and they've got Man United and they've got Spurs between game week uh, in the next kind of six, seven game weeks. Include, and also a tricky uh, fixture away at Everton. So if we were to move on our, our City assets, which are Otamendi, Sterling and maybe Aguero, where would we go? What do you think, Nick? You've got Sterling, haven't you? Yeah, I've got Sterling at the moment. I think uh, it's, it's a tough question. I mean... I think um, a lot of people are still jumping on the train as we saw from the uh, the transfers. But um, I think we I think we all felt the skyfall, didn't didn't we? When he he scored that hat trick, non owners uh, anyway. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm I'm also thinking about this, this, that's what's putting me off slightly with the uh, the Kevin De Bruyne transfer because there is a potential blank and there is a dire run um, upcoming. So I think I think you've got to look at the teams who who aren't blanking and this. Is that Everton is perhaps an option, but there's no real standout candidates. I think it's, it's it's kind of one of those wait and see. I wouldn't sell the City players at the moment for sure. I mean, if you're thinking about transferring in, you've got to kind of weigh it up a little bit. Just wait and see what happens with the League Cup matches, with the FA Cup matches, and then we'll have a bit more um, of an understanding which teams are blanking and uh, which teams aren't um, in the next few game weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I'm probably going to, as 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 I said, I think that 
Um, the next three game weeks are looking pretty lucrative and I might, it might be worth a short-term punt. Um, in terms of the Kun train, I think that that is probably chasing points a little bit, maybe. Um, I, I'm not too sure about it. I'm aware that we didn't really speak about Kun too much, even though we both kind of thought he was probably a good captain option against Newcastle. Um, the next three games without Gabriel, he's just around. Um, I think that it's probably, it might be a decent short-term thing if you want to do it, but I'd never remove Kane. I'm not going to remove Firmino. It's, you know, he was a whisker away from from converting against Swansea, let's be fair. Um, and it's a case that this season, you're never going to have to have them all. Um, if you were looking to replace before game week 28 or on game week 28, um, there's a plethora of options available. I mean, Sterling, we know that there's lots of players around kind of 8, 8.5 who are coming through. Um, there's players who are a bit cheaper than that. And as you say, if you wait and see, there's going there's bound to be a new flavor of the month. Unfortunately, Arnautovic is looking really good. And uh, for all intents and purposes, we could see him doing really well for the next kind of five or six weeks. But unfortunately, he's now out of the equation. That's how quickly things can change. Kun, you can change that pretty pretty easily. Otamendi as well. Like, you know, if you take him down to a 4.5, suddenly you've got loads of money to spend elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, easy to move, which is quite good for City fixtures. And um, I think for now, it's a case of wait and see and enjoy the kind of the good free fixtures in front of you before you... Uh, before you move on elsewhere, I think that's fair to say, right, Nick? Yeah, exactly. That's, I'd agree. And I think it it shows that William's the most sort of transferred in midfielder at the moment, that there's not too many options out there. So, yeah, I think it's a case of just hold and um, enjoy the next few fixtures and, and then reassess um, soon. So um, the next question, I guess, is formations. FPL Partridge has asked us about formations and, and Joe Prenter has said, is a 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 the formation of choice for the run-in? And are there any third striker options like Wilson or Jordan Ayew that are worth a spot? Yeah, um, I, I mentioned uh, Wilson early on, didn't I, at the very top about how I've been on, uh, twice. I've been unlucky with him. Obviously, he scored a hat-trick the first time round. That's probably a bit of a mistake. The second time round, he was on my radar. I waited and he performed in three out of four games you know he's got a really good record against West Ham and I thought well that's a, a good time to bring him in he's got Chelsea next but Bournemouth after that embark on a pretty good fixture run which reads Stoke, Huddersfield, Newcastle and Leicester uh, four decent games there the first three of course being the best and I thought that that was worth a spot in the 3-4-3 I spoke about the core nine in the past and how that was really good for me um, but to be honest, given the absolute, that was a lot of that was hedged on the fact that Kane would be still playing. The signing of Alex Pritchard meant that I've looked at looked at it again and thought, all right, Ogbonna, Duncan, Loftus Cheek, who's subsequently injured, looked like three decent kind of players. Kenny, I think, in the long term, move out for Maguire. So I've got a back four of Otamendi, Alonso, Maguire, and De Gea, who just won't change. Um, and I could have quite a solid 3 4 3 week to week. Um, and I think that that's looking quite good. But I think the fact is that you, you don't know at the moment. Um, there could be a fifth midfield option that arrives um, that could be irresistible. You've got people like Shakiri that people are kind of betting on a little bit. You've got Theo Walcott in the background, who I mentioned, who has a really good run in with Everton, actually. Um, and it could be the fact that 3-5-2 works out. And it could be the the only difference is that um, no Nietzsche this year. So Nietzsche was really good last year because Nick... As you remember, he, he he did the job because he played 90 minutes and that's the least you want from a bench person. It's more acceptable to, to me to have a 4.0 bench defender 
and have a 4.5 bench striker because you've got that 0.5 that could be working elsewhere for you, especially if you're running on full value like you do sometimes. It, it seems like without that kind of factor, without that kind of player, Nias uh, Allardyce said isn't moving on. For bench boost reasons as well, if you had an each of these come off the bench and get you four at least, if not more, if you score, which obviously you never did. <laughs> but um, if you've got playing your bench boost later on, and you've got a, an asset on your bench who is rubbish and doesn't do anything in a three-five-two. If you kind of play your bench boost, you're wasting one spot when otherwise you get four plus from a, from a player off the bench who's quite cheap. And I think that that's kind of the why at the moment I'm thinking three-four-three of a four-point-five uh, midfielder is probably the way forward. But things might change going forward, and you know it may be that Wilson falls off the wagon if Defoe starts com- comes in and starts scoring, if King comes in and starts scoring. Um, but at the moment, I think 3-4-3 three, three is the best. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'd probably say 3-4-3 three, three is um, probably the best at the moment. I've been playing 4-4-2 four, four, the last few weeks, but I feel a little bit shoehorned at the moment because I've got a lot of flags and issues actually generally with my team. I've still got Calvert-Lewin and Loftus-Cheek in there and Calvert-Lewin's not playing, Loftus-Cheek is injured. Um, and I, I wanted to try and sort those guys out actually this game week, but I think the Ericsson and an Altovich um, issues are, are more pressing perhaps. Um, so I ended up playing five at the back um, last game week, which is a bit of, bit of a disaster in terms of most of my defenders. So I think um, ideally, I think you you want three four three, and for, I think three five two. Um, this season we've seen midfielders perform outperform. Forwards in general, there's only been a few forwards really that have shined this season. Um, probably only three that you can actually name, and that's at a push. And it's, it's, you'd probably say Kane and Firmino, and maybe Aguero after this hat trick as well. But after that, there's it's not much out there. Whilst with midfield, there's been you know plenty of options all season. So I think I would like to give three five two a, a try, but yeah, like you said, there's not too many um, very cheap forwards that are playing either. So yeah. I think um, I think you know going big at the back has uh, paid off um, some of the time for me this season. But I think um, generally attacking formations um, work better than defensive. All right, uh, FPL guidance asked us who should non Conagüero owners look to captain in game week twenty five. All right, so I guess it's um, a question about our captain choices for this week, which um, kind of is a bit of a segue to the end of the pod as well. But um, yeah, I think uh, for me, it's um, Salah is my captain. Huddersfield away um, makes a lot of sense. Talked a lot about him um, as always on the pod. We talk about him every game week, but um, you know, only blanks twice this season. Blanks. I mean, what was a bit of a shocker for um, Liverpool? They beat Swansea at home. Five uh, 0 and then lost to them away one 0 But apart from that, we, we, he's been extremely consistent. We've seen you know multiple multiple double figure returns all season. So he'll he'll be my um, my captain pick. Um, I guess that's a yes and not a doctor no for you, isn't it, Tom? Two on Salah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the default captain pick, isn't it? To go to go to Salah. Um, f- for me. I don't know whether it's the fact that I was in need of entertainment after last week, um, but I, I might take a punt. So I said earlier I might bring in Sana. Uh, Sana scored against Bristol City uh, in the League Cup, and uh, he he played pretty well uh, for for Man City this week, and I'll keep an eye on him. But I feel like with everyone going on Salah and what happened, and uh, maybe maybe it's folly, um, but. 
I feel like it might be time to have a little bit of a differential roll of the dice with the captaincy just because this week I, I felt pretty obliged to do the Kane captaincy almost after the slur bossling and I was pretty pleased about it but I'm probably not going to be Captain Kane against Man United so do I, uh, does Salah excite me? Uh, it sounds very kind of ineffable. I don't think it does. <laughs> no, I, I kind of think that if I did bring in Sana, I'd captain him. And I think if I don't captain Sana, I was watching the uh, the Man City game. And to be honest, Sterling could have had two. He was ruled offside for one. He could easily return you points. So, And I think that West Brom game is the game next midweek that's going to return a lot of points and have a lot of goals in it. I kind of think that I want to captain a, a Man City player. So I think it might be Sterling or Sana if I bring him in that, that I'll captain. I think that it might be a good week if people are looking, if everyone's going on Salah. If you are kind of doing well, um, then put it on Salah because that's quite good. If you're kind of looking to push, then maybe push by going elsewhere. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my view on it. What, what do you think about, about that, Nick, about um, looking at a Man City player instead? I feel like they, they should probably be looked at it's just because Kun did so well this week and the people aren't looking at them. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, they did really well in their last game and uh, they've got a, what is, um, a, a fixture at home against one of the bottom three. What you'll get is probably an Otamendi clean sheet and I'm doing that to 10 fate a little bit just to wind you up. But I think um, <laughs> West Brom in general, they've they've um, they've been quite solid at the back, haven't they? They've only conceded 31 goals, which is the same amount as Arsenal. So, you know. Yeah, I still think that um, Pardiola is going to be schooled by Guardiola. Uh, but there we go. So, captaincy choices. You're on Salah pretty solidly. I'm sure that won't change because of what you're like. I've got it on Salah right now because I haven't made any changes, but I might change it to Sterling or I might change it if I bring in Sana and just have a little gamble there. Who knows? Other changes. Um, so, I'm thinking of cutting my losses on Lingard, as we discussed. And it might be that if I bring in um, Salah for an Arnautovic, if Arnautovic is definitely out, that I maybe get rid of Lingard too. So if Arnautovic is definitely out, I think I'll move I'll move Sana in for him. On Lingard, I might might keep him or I might remove him for maybe Shakiri to cover that uh, and maybe get some points for the next kind of few games. Or... I keep Lingard and see how it goes with Sanchez, but I'm minded to take minus four as well. I just don't know yet, and I'm willing to wait until after the cup games have concluded. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to wait a little bit. And uh, I was thinking about, well, I'm still thinking about Shakiri. I am also thinking about KDB, but um, I have had a little bit of a change in heart just as we've gone on the pod, just just based on the, the, the chat, really, in regards to the Manchester City and the and the blank fixture and then the dire run after their couple of decent fixtures. And I'm, I'm make, thinking maybe I shouldn't look at Manchester City. Maybe I should look at the likes of um, Riyad Mahrez or something to, to bring in someone from Leicester for their um, very kindly um, upcoming fixtures. So it's a slight differential there, but yeah, I'm going to have a think anyway. But it looks like with all the midfield injuries, I'll be making some midfielder moves for sure. Cool. No, I like the fact that your your conservative instinct has kicked in. Whereas I've been doing the pod and thinking, oh, you know what? Those fixtures Man City are really good. Yeah, yeah, I fancy getting Sana in the short term. <laughs> You're just going, no, no, God, the, the long term is terrible. I think that kind of epitomises the issues that most, most FPL managers have. Right, let's move on. And um, there's a theme to each pod, obviously. Um, last week, the theme was Death Cab for Cutie. Um, quite a few people got it. Andy Goodland, Ben Krellin and uh, John T from FFS. Uh, first person in was FPL Death Star. 
uh, one of the many FPL objects on Twitter. Uh, so well done. There's a theme to this week, and we, we try to keep it more subtle. And uh, yeah, th- that's it. So we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us at whogotassist.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Thank you so much for your support. Yep, thanks, guys, again. Um, our lead code is 1538-17403, and we'll be back after the midweek games next game week. Cheers, guys. Hope this assisted you. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.